Your news, your views, your values. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM. Make a big difference for just a few dollars a month. Join the WMNF Circle of Friends and keep the news and music in perpetual motion. Go to WMNF.org. Thanks. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and Annie Ellis. Hello. Hello. And Mr. Bill Grace is not only working the boards, but he's also taking your calls. Oh my gosh, everything. We yeah. couldn't do it without Bill. <laughs> he is and, the man. That's right. And today we are talking about soil, the foundation of many great ecosystems and gardens. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf, and we will read it on air. But before we start talking about soil, we have a special call from the USF Botanical Gardens. He knows all about soil. Yes, he does, and I think it's uh, Craig. Craig Google. Yeah, I'm here. Yay. Hello, welcome back to the Sustainable Yay, good uh, to see Living you. Show, I'll be and. Here, yeah. Craig, I think you're going to talk about a huge event that is happening this Saturday. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to tell everybody out in the audience that uh, we're having our summer plant festival, and it'll be Saturday. It opens to the public at 10 and goes until 3, and the $5 admission, and we're excited to be able to host it. So you say a plant festival. What exactly does that mean, Craig? Well... You know, our biggest plant festivals have always been in the spring and fall. Mm -hmm. We've done this one day. This year we're doing one day summer festival. What does it mean? Well, you know, we have vendors of all different types of plant specialties, cacti, succulents, and... uh, Carnivorous? Aeroids and carnivorous (laughs) plants. Of course we do. Um, You know, people, begonias, you know, all kinds of different plant uh, interests you know people will find fruit trees and native plants and all kinds of things and of course in addition to that we have vendors that are selling you know specialty uh, plant pottery kinds of things and uh, we've got food and we've got coffee we got you know it should be a fun event a real festival yes and you know celebrate plants how can you do better than that. I don't think Very there's a, a way. Craig, can you tell <laughs> us the address and the time of the summer plant sale? Yes, and the well, location. That's a great question. But I'm only laughing because I always forget our exact address. It's 1100-something USF Pine Drive and here in Tampa. It's right at the edge of the USF campus, and it's Really easy to get to from the intersection of Bruceby Downs and Fowler. We're just south of Bruceby Downs. They make a uh, turn to the west, and um, you'll follow the signs to Botanical Garden. I wish I had the exact address. I and what's the time that you're having it? 
Well, it opens to the public at 10 o'clock. Our normal hours are, are 9 in the morning if people come to visit the gardens. But the festival will open at 10. If you're a member, you get uh, half an hour early admission. And we encourage people to join us. How do they join you as being well, a member? You can go online, and we don't... We'll have people there that can take your um, membership if, if you want to wait until the day of the event. But we're going to have an, uh, kind of an easier admission opening for people that are already members where you won't have to wait in line. We had a really big line in the last, uh, last event we held. And so if you're already a member and you've got a card or a documentation on your phone that you paid your Dues, whatever we got, we'll have a list, of course, of people that are members, and we'll have a a, a second alternate uh, gate opening should expedite people getting in. And to answer your question, you can go online um, to our website and then follow the little directions and um, and uh, be able to do that online ahead of the festival. If you know, it's a great deal, I think, and uh, folks that want to become members support us, get a chance admission to all the other member gardens across the country, free admission, and um, you get to come into the festival. And um, That's a good point, Craig, because I don't think that people think of that, that when you do join, uh, have to get a membership with this, is that you get a mem- membership basically to all the, uh, the gardens yeah. and such. All the reciprocal gardens. Yeah. So thank you so yeah. much, uh, Craig, for calling in about yeah. that summer festival. I well, will, of course, be there. And uh, we're excited to have it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to tell people you come out. And the Botanical Gardens now is Craig is doing. WMNF, and I'll give you a tour. Oh, okay. (laughs) Perfect. And, you know, I wanted to say I did go on a tour, and it is magnificent. And the things that have been going on there have just really turned it around. So congratulations, Craig, on what you're doing. Very good. So, um, Annie, before we start talking about soil, the foundation, for gardening and plants. Uh, right. Do you have any uh, news of yes. this week? Yes, since it's Juneteenth, I wanted to talk about uh, something I saw in the newspaper because I, I don't think a lot of people get the newspaper anymore. And uh, so it's in the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, and it, there's a thing in here. It's in, what is it in? It's in the... Um, it's in the B section. So what? it's about Time Travel Tampa Soul Walk. And they're doing a kickoff. Uh, it's a launch of the Tampa Soul Walk. And it's the coolest thing. It's uh, 46 miles, a 25-neighborhood journey with around 100 stops, including historic buildings, historic markers, detailing long-gone structures of significant sites and public art, all of which tell the stories of the pioneering days of Tampa's black community. Uh, And so if, you know, a lot of that whole street, Central Avenue, basically, used to be really cool in Tampa. uh, But then it was just all the black businesses were just wiped out. So it's uh, also where Ray Charles made his first recording, where Hank Ballard discovered the twist. And that was the dance that inspired the song popularized by Chubby Checkers. So I just encourage uh, people to go and check that out. the soul walk you can look it up and it's you know you can just get the information on your phone and you can do all these long drive-bys i'm definitely going to do it because i you know all the people of all colors need to know what's what's missing and so you know with that 
situation that they've just put together, this soul walk, we will be able to inform ourselves because there's so much that we just don't know. And I, you know, I'm sure it's a racist situation uh, because I know I watched uh, Buffalo Soldiers last night on PBS and I was very surprised because, you know, I've never learned that in school for sure. And um, I learned, I did know about them, but I had no idea that it was so continued on uh, forever. So I just encourage you to, you know, put yourself out there, all color people and uh, check it out. And that's our Juneteenth uh, thing. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about soil. And uh, before we talk about soil, I know we keep teasing it. I'm so excited. But uh, last night I saw Tori Amos. Yes. And guess who I saw there? Who? Sean Canaan. WMNF Director of News and Public Affairs. Very cool. Isn't that fun when you get to see people of your tribe at an event? That's exactly right. When I sat next to, uh, what's his name? Oh, God. Uh, Annie, we got to get to soil. I guess. (laughs) Anyway, it was really fun because it was like you had this connection. Okay. So, Annie, we got lots of uh, emails coming in. We want to talk about soils. And if you want to talk about soil or if you have questions about soil, you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. Or so, you can call uh, at uh, 813-239-9663 uh, if, you, if you are not phone shy. Yes. So uh, the first uh, email that we got is from Kenny Gill. Oh, hi, Kenny. And uh, he's a friend of the show. He's been yes, a guest. And he great. says, what's the difference between soil and dirt? Okay. The answer to that is uh, dirt is what you get on your clothes and hands while you're working in the soil. That's why they call it your dirty. Yes. And then soil is made up of elements that have been decomposing since the earth was created. So usually people say like soil can or soil does contain living things, right? but it also contains dead things like dirt. So dirt is an element of of soil. Yeah. And and there's a lot of elements. You know, that's the thing is that soil, there's so many things, which I guess is the next question. Yeah. So Kenny also (laughs) sent us a follow up to that. And he said, uh, what are some typical Hillsborough County soils made of? And uh, then Annie added, what are the implications? Well, you know, miss research. Yeah. Uh, so basically... Uh, so in Florida, in Hillsborough County, what, what do we have? We have uh, soils. They have sand, sandy loam, clay, peat, and muck. But more than 300 soil types have been mapped in this uh, in this area in Hillsborough County. So uh, I suggest that if you want to know what is in your soil t- is to get it tested. It's an easy thing to do. Yeah. And when I was teaching agriculture, my, my middle school students, my 12-year-olds, had to memorize the, not memorize, but they had to understand how to read this uh, little triangle. Oh, that's cool. And um, what's interesting is that we have sand, clay, and loam. Right. And you think sand is kind of small, right? Well, when you compare it to those three things, sand, loam, and clay, sand is actually the biggest. I would think it would be, actually. It's the biggest the little clay, grains. Clay would be really small. That's why it sticks together. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That makes sense. I've never seen that triangle. I was thinking, oh, well, I didn't have you as a teacher. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah, you have to take agriculture. Yeah. So that's why we should keep agriculture in we schools. We really should. I never had it offered to me when I was a kid. Now, the real reason, okay, so this triangle, on one side you have clay, one side you have uh, silt, and then one side you have sand. Right. And then you can get different combinations. You right. can get like sandy loam, you can get silt loam, you can just get clay and things right. like that. And the reason why you would use this triangle or when you take your soil to um, get to, tested, right. they're going to say, hey, you're mostly, you know, 90% sand, right. and 30% then, 
this and they'll tell you the composition. And the reason why you would want to know that is so you can know how to either amend it or you would know which plants are good for planting. That's a very good point, Kenny. You know, lots of people put in plants uh, in areas. It's the right place, you know, right plant, right place. And I say right time because it's the right time of the year. But a lot of people will just force their will on wanting this particular plant. And it's just not going to do well in their area. And, you know, so the plant suffers, they suffer. They work so hard to make that happen. So it is really important what you just said is to look at see what you have what you can amend it with if you can do something for that particular plant that you really really want or if you don't don't do that plant we just yeah. got a text message and they the person is anonymous they said the difference between soil and dirt is about five dollars a pound <laughs> that's about right if you have any soil or dirt jokes Please send them in. Yeah, we love that. That's great. So um, when I was researching about soil, what I didn't think, this was interesting to me. So clay is difficult to work with. And you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to make a pot out of clay, right? You're going to, you're going to like sculpt things out of clay. Okay. I've done mine out of the ground before. Yeah. Okay. But what what clay is good for is for plants to get their roots established and it provides, because it's so thick and pasty, it provides them a stable environment um, that that they can really hang on to. If you think of like just 100% sand, that's going to be loose and the water's going to just kind of so drain it, through it. So it. Uh, it holds close to it. Then. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I know one of the biggest problems that people have, uh, newbies, when they plant stuff, they they don't uh, get all the soil compacted right to the the roots. They have air pockets, and so then the plant dies, and they don't know why because it's below ground. So that makes a lot of sense to me because the clay is going to hold moisture more. It's going to be tighter around the roots. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I never thought of it. We were mentioning that you can have combinations of the soil, so loamy sand is normally made up of sand uh, mixed with a majority of salt and clay. And many people for, prefer this uh, feeling, you know, it's kind of like a fun dirt. I don't want to say dirt, but a fun grainy. like soil, grainy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, this soil normally allows for good drainage. Right. So that's why uh, people yeah. enjoy that. And that's and a lot of times people say, you know, if you're going to plant a tree, don't really amend the soil because it stops right at the amendment. You want to just let it get used to the soil it's in. All right, so let's go back to uh, Kenny's question about what are the types of soils in Hillsborough County, but the follow-up was what would be beneficial to add to improve it. So I know you said you might not want to add it for a tree, but if we're planting flowers or vegetables. Yeah, but you could put compost on top of a tree later, you know what I mean, as to to help it feed and also to get good microorganisms in the ground. uh, And that's always my number one thing to say is compost, compost, compost. And it's all three (laughs) in a row. Because if you're going to be throwing away your greens and your your coffee grounds and your eggshells and all that sort of stuff and you raking up your brown leaves there's no reason you can't put that together and make a compost and then i use two uh, so I do one that's working that I'm mm-hmm. adding to all the time. And the other one, I'm letting it finish. And so, in fact, just um, this weekend, I tipped one over because I'm honoring containers because I live in South Tampa and I just don't want to create the rat situation any worse than what it really is. And so I have hard containers with uh, chicken wire underneath uh, so they don't get in there. Um, but that is the number one thing that I say. But, you know, there's a lot of different um, different things that we can put in 
and I and one of them is going to talk to it a little bit later on because there's about animal uh, manure manures and stuff that we'll talk about in a minute. But it you know th- what it does is it improves the structure and the health of your soil and it by adding the organic matter it helps retain moisture and nutrients. It adds nutrients to it as well, uh, and it attracts the beneficial organisms to the soil that reduces the need for pesticides and fertilizers. And that's uh, you know that's would be your mycorrhizae, your uh, mycelium, all of that that's working under below ground to bring all the the things that the plant needs because uh, that's what it does. It's like a little super highway into there and it goes, oh, you need water? Okay, let me go get it for you, bring it to you. And then, oh, you need potassium? Oh, okay, let me go get that for you, bring it to you. And that's the way that works. That's that's one of the things about no-till, but we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, and it also reduces the potential for soil erosion. It, it also sequesters carbon in the soil, which is very important, and it builds resiliency to the impacts of mm-hmm. climate change. So, so re- the sequestering of carbon, yes. which is like grabbing a holds of the carbon yes, I want, from yes. carbon dioxide, the reason why it's important is because it's helping fight climate change. It is, and, and basically that's the whole job of a tree or any plants. They're bringing it in from their photosynthesis, and they're storing the carbon in the ground. And so so, you know, that's why you don't really want to till up like crazy because it releases the uh, releases that back into the uh, the air. That's why one of the biggest problems when is around um, when people are doing farmers, you know, the farmers that do till are tilling up all their uh, their soil. They're releasing carbon up in the atmosphere and you can visually see that on the, uh, the type of uh, photography they're doing. So it's pretty interesting. You know, I, I don't know if, if this is in the question, but I do want to talk about it, is that when you have good nutrition in your soil, your plants are getting that good nutrition. And so you, if you're eating these plants, are getting that good nutrition. So that's the beauty of, you know, having an organic garden is that you are benefiting from the nutrition that you're putting on your plants or with your plants. So yeah, just I was thinking make sure about that. When we were researching this, I was thinking about how people use the label organic, but it they throw it around, but it really fast, doesn't mean they? that much because you could have like a non-organic situation where those vegetables have more nutrients in them because the soil's better. Right. Just because it's organic doesn't mean that your broccoli's going to have a lot of vitamins and macronutrients in. Well, it just means that the soil is has is been, is giving that plant what it needs. And so that's why, you know, and you're going to benefit from that too. But you're right. I was just talking with somebody about that last night about that that term organic is really loose and loosey-goosey and thrown around a lot because the the uh, appropriations that they're allowing for organic to be okay in in organic farming i question it you know like there's like they're saying that there's an organic uh hydroponic situation and i i don't know man soil to me is the thing and hydroponics you're just putting something on top of the soil and using you know a tube to feed it with maybe organic juices but you're not using anything in the soil or any of the micronutrients at all So there's that. So you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show coming to you from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. Today (laughs) we're talking about soil. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. Now the next uh, message we got was actually from social media and it's also friend of the show. Angela Rodriguez-Diaz. She's great. And she does 
lots of work with bees when yes. she was on the show. Yep. And she said, or she asks, does animal poop improve soil? How do you use animal manure? Well, I'm glad she wrote that in because so many people are really confused about this. And one of the first things is, is do not do your compost, your dog poop, or your cat poop. And there are a lot of, uh, you can go online and you can look for things about all of that. And there's also human uh, waste that you could look for that, but those are years in the making. You can't, that is nothing that you can use right away. And then um, if you're going to do them on edible plants, I mean, it's really risky. So I would not in my world, use those. But the other thing is, is there's lots of uh, like horses, cows, goats, uh, bunnies, chickens, all those kind of poops, but they all have different situations. And so first off, you know, horse and cow, that's great. And uh, that's great stuff. Because they're mostly eating... Uh, vegetables. That's exactly right. Leaves. Yeah, and that's the grasses. thing. If you if you look at it, you don't want a meat eater, you know, in in there. And that's the problem with the others. But but the thing about the the hay that they're uh, that some of them are feeding them. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of them are using an overspray uh, treatment to keep the weeds off of their hay uh, because there are some you know weeds that make the animals sick. Uh, but there's one that's the brand name is called Grazon, but there's a whole bunch of other ones is i mean i'm not even gonna there's a lit up, list of them it's pyridine uh, carboxylic acids is basically what they are they're herbicides and what happens is that passes through those animals there's residue yeah total residue and if you put that in your garden you're going to have herbicides in your garden and i've actually known someone that it took seven years for that to phase out in their garden. So, you know, I, if you're going to use cow or a horse, please know who you're getting it from uh, and, and know what they are feeding their animals. But there's also, you know, some people worm their horses. Yeah, I was going to say antibiotics, yeah. the worming. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people do antibiotics on the cows as a preventive, which I disagree with completely, but you know, there's that. So, but yeah, that's, so you need to know the farmer uh, or the stockman that you know, has these animals. Now, bunny poo is fantastic uh, because that stuff uh, is cold, which means you can put it directly on your plants and you don't have to wait. Now, chicken poo, it's considered what they call hot. So that has to compost a while or it will burn your plants up. So, and then, you know, uh, goat uh, bedding is fantastic because it has their urine and their poop on it. And that brings lots of different minerals to the table. Uh, I've used that before, but again, you need to know who the person is raising those animals. So they're, you're not getting all those chemicals from the, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So we do like uh, animal manure. Oh, yeah. It's very good. It contains the primary nutrients, NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So those are like the things that plants really need to grow. But then it can also contain micronutrients for plants. So that's like your like if a person's eating like vitamins and minerals. So like you need to have your carbs and your proteins and your basic mm-hmm. building blocks, which is the macronutrients, which is what we can get from manure. But then it also has the micronutrients. And it contains a lot of organic matter. And that's carbon-based. And plants really benefit from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also works well, like mulchy type situation as well. The, the, the bedding anyway. Yeah. So I have a neighbor who would get 
horse manure, but it was mixed in with the shavings. And she would just get these big trash cans and she would plant her collard greens and Brussels sprouts. Straight in it? Um, pretty much, yeah. Oh, wow. And they were the biggest vegetables on the block. Wow. So she knew the person that was... Yeah, yeah. she was very uh, cognizant right. of what was going in there. That's so awesome. These, uh, these macronutrients, they're... You need them, like Annie was saying earlier, you need them for your plants to uh, fight off plant pests and diseases, Mm -hmm. and it makes it easier for the plant roots to thread through the soil to find uh, water, air, and nutrients. Because if you have a healthy plant, then it's going to be stretching out. The top part's going to be healthy, but also we're talking about like root health, basically. Right, right. And that's super important because that's not the part you see, but if your plant is suffering on the top, there's something going down below. Yeah, that's that's right. for sure. And, you know, it's funny you were talking about that. I was thinking, well, yeah, because it brings your immune system up. And, you know, that's what mm-hmm. I, if, our, if our immune system gets knocked down, then we are more susceptible to diseases. Uh, you know, we get sick easier if our immune system's down. It's the same thing with plants. When, when a plant gets in distress, that's when you get bugs. I don't get bugs on my plants hardly ever unless I've been a slacker on my watering. And I get mealybugs. So if you're using cow manure and you're mixing into the soil, right. earlier we were mentioning that you could get a soil test, and then it's then they usually they give you a recommendation. They say, oh, you need to add a little bit of nitrogen or phosphorus or potassium, the NPK, which are those like three numbers on the on like a bag. Like it, when you read it, it's a 10, 10, 10. Exactly. That's what it is. It's 10 of that, and 10 of that, 10 of that. Like I was mentioning earlier, my students had to memorize a lot of stuff for agriculture. And one of them was the NPK, the order, but they needed to know that nitrogen the order is up, down, and all around. Oh, okay. So the nitrogen is up. So think um, everything like on the top part of the plant, that's what nitrogen is good for. It greens up the plants. And then phosphorus, which is the middle number, think down. It reaches down to the roots and helps produce blooms. And then the last one, uh, potassium, that promotes all around well-being. So if it's not looking too good, maybe a little extra potassium. That's, you, that's interesting. And, I, I've never heard that before. And you can buy those. Uh, I mean, the way you said it. Yeah, you can buy those fertilizers independently or you can buy them based on, you know, different uh, proportions. And like, a lot of people, you know, when they're like what they have done is like they'll, they'll have this beautiful, green, healthy plant. They'll go, but I'm not getting any, any eggplant on it or whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing is that they want. And, and it's because they've given it a ton of nitrogen that looks gorgeous mm-hmm. on the top, but then there's yeah. no fruiting because there's not enough phosphorus. So yeah. that's the thing. You need to have the balance to be able to do it. So we just got an email from Sven, and they said they recently got a chicken coop. Do I need to age the chicken poop before spreading it around the plants and trees in my yard? Yes. So, yeah. So usually maybe like four months. And, um, Annie, is your compost bin a tumbler or is it a... No, it's a, a straight flat one. It's a square with a lid that I take off the top. So I don't put manures in my tumbler. Actually, I get them done already from But friends. you don't have chickens. No, I don't have chickens. But <laughs> so, I've gotten chicken manure, yeah. but I've gotten it after it was cooled off from France. Yeah, so I have chickens, and I have the three um, the three towers of for the compost. Oh, okay. So I put everything in one. So I take all the newspaper, all the sh- bedding, and all of the chicken manure once a week. I put it in on, like, all the way to the left, mm-hmm. and then I just pile it up to about three feet high. Oh. And then once that's filled up, then I start filling in the next one. 
And oh, very good. You can use a pitchfork and, and rotate it, it. How long does it take? How long do you wait? You, you said something, but I can't remember. Was yeah, it three months, did you say? Three to four months. It depends on how hot it is, how often it's raining because they're exposed to the elements. But the real thing is because I have shredded paper and uh, shavings and the chicken manure, mm-hmm. I just wait for everything to look like dirt or soil. Right, right. You, you don't right. want to have like chunks of the paper and right well you know what i do i do have chunks of like uh, the eggshells didn't break down or whatever i throw them in the the one that's cooking i just take them out yeah. put them in the thing that's cooking you know but you know you you said something about uh the rain and everything i noticed that mine because it is all contained with the lid on it uh, i have to throw a little water on it periodically because it'll dry mm-hmm. out uh if i don't have a ton of greens um this one i have right now is fine but yeah. i have had different times where it was not enough greens and what he was talking about with the newspapers and all that that's what you consider browns uh so you have to have i don't know 60 percent browns 40 percent greens uh because the greens are the stuff that sort of melts and the browns are the stuff that sort of breaks it yeah. up the browns are the carbon so yeah. wood chips paper products right. cardboard things like that right all right Annie. we have a phone call oh, we, yay. Front, we have a caller scott hello scott welcome hey, scott. to the sustainable good morning show. good morning do you have a question or comment about soil I have, I have a question um i was someplace and i bought a an apricot tree which i need to replant and i was wondering if there's any suggestions what, if any? Well, I've never planted an apricot tree here. Uh, so uh, I know that they were doing, are you looking that up, Kenny? Because uh, I'm not sure if this is the, the zone for them. <laughs> stone, uh, stone fruit do grow here, but they have to be, I mean, like peaches have to be the specific type of peach that's made for this area. So if yeah. you bought it at like a big box store, a lot of times they just bring in stuff to, for, for the sale and a buyer is buying it, you, you know, for everywhere they can get it to bring it here. And it's not necessarily made for this area. Like when somebody puts up kiwis or, you know, I mean, they, people do grow them. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Lowe's, I think. It was for Florida? No, you said it was from Lowe's. No, it was oh. Lowe's. So, oh, yeah. so we might be a little too hot, but just uh, generally speaking for trees, um, like let's say you look at the canopy of the tree right. that's in like a one-gallon or a three-gallon pot, um, how big of a hole would you dig, Annie? I would go you know, three times the size uh, of the pot size. So if, the, if like a one-gallon pot is like, what, 12 inches across, yeah. you would dig it's like actually, yeah, that's about eight can, inches. Yeah. One gallon is about eight inches across, and then but then really important is that uh, when you put that in there, make sure that the roots, if they've wound around, that means that they're root bound and they're just going to continue to wind around. So you need to either cut a little bit to keep that from circling, uh, or or unwind them a little bit, and but you really need to try to keep them from circling, or it'll just continue to do that. And then okay. when you put it in the ground, put your soil, you know, put it in the middle uh, up to the level that's of a little tiny bit above the soil line because you want... Like an inch? 
or three I'd inches? I'd say an inch is yeah, probably inch. about right. Because you want your root flare, you, when you go look at your tree again, I want you to look and see, figure out what a root flare is. And what that is, is right where the roots meet the trunk, and it curves out just a little bit. If you can think about how trees curve out at the bottom, that's considered what is called a root flare. And that has to be above ground, or the, okay. plant, the plant smothers. And also it can, uh, you know, soil can get on that bark and rot it. Now, you want to keep putting soil along the, you know, along the sides, and then afterwards, put your hose in there and push it down until uh, it, it uh, bubbles up after a while. Do it for a while. And if it sucks in there, that means you have an air pocket on your root ball. And so that means you're going to have to push some soil in there and do it all the way around, like about seven different holes. Oh. Yeah, okay. because it, uh, the air pockets are the number one killer that I see in most people when they plant uh, plants. Really? Yeah, because well, they, it looks fine the for the top, you know, and you don't want to yeah. you don't want to pack it really hard because that'll tear the roots off. You don't no, ever. I didn't do that. Yeah, I just kind of pushed it in there, you know, snug. Yeah, and you don't want to step on it either. Uh, you want to press it with your hands because if you step right. on it, you're going to break those roots off from the stem. Now the roots, the roots going circling. Is that what you said? Yeah, if it's circling? round around in the inside, like if it looks like okay. it's still in the pot. Yeah, when it makes its own when pot. When I replant it, can I just kind of straighten them out a little? Well, bit? if you I can, can. yeah, tease yelling, them out. Right? If you can, but sometimes I've had to actually cut with my saw uh, a little bit to aggravate them to not continue to do that circle. Got you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott, for giving us a call. Yeah, that was a great uh, question. Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, we just want to remind everyone that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa. Today we're talking about soil. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And we do have about four emails. Oh, wow. But first, we have a very important message from Mr. Bill Grace. By golly, isn't listening to the Sustainable Living Show just about the most fun that your ears have ever had? And I know what you're thinking. How can you show your love and support? Well, it's easy. Just go to our website, WMNF.org, and click on the tip jar at the top of the screen. Be sure to direct your donation to SUL for Sustainable Living. And let me tell you something special. You may not see them, but when you support Sustainable Living in WMNF Tampa... Angels bend down to kiss your cheek. <laughs> I love that so much. And we did not meet our goal last week. But we were, we were pretty good <laughs> compared to other shows. Mm, uh, we really weren't. <laughs> so we need people to call in and, and pay for listening to the show. It's just like going to PBS. Uh, you know, uh, I pay every year yes. for that shows. All right, Andy, we got lots of emails. All right. The first one you can take, it is from Donna, and they said there's a product called Black Cow that is yeah. composted manure. Would you comment on the use of this product? Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes people have problems with it. Sometimes they don't. What kind of problems? Well, uh, they've had it react poorly to a plant, you know, but it may not have even been that product. You know what I mean? Like the plant just reacted poorly. But yeah, it's a good, it's an okay product. I mean, it's easy access. You can go to any store and get it. So there's something good about it. Uh, but you just mix it in with your soil. You never, don't just put things all together, one thing. Mix it with it before you yeah, install Yeah, you it. wouldn't plant 
a garden like directly no. in cow manure. And you would and you wouldn't put it directly in one thing of any of this stuff. You know, it needs to have a mix. So I would put it in like a wheelbarrow or a really big pot or something and mix the other stuff with it before you put it fill into your uh your bed or uh, where the hole is. Very good. So we have another uh, email. It's from Bob, and he says, would fish poop be uh, suitable as a fertilizer in the garden? And I'll take this one. So I, I worked love at, it so I worked much. at an aquarium for many years, and fish, and I actually have um, three... You have like, tanks? I have three, like, 90-gallon aquariums with uh, mosquito fish in my, in my greenhouse and, like, around the nursery area, and I do these frequent water changes, not really for the fish, but so I can benefit from the water. Like every time it rains, I give the fish fresh rainwater and then I take their their water. That's a great idea. And fish poop, fish fertilizer, it offers a burn-free nitrogen source along with other primary nutrients of phosphorus and potassium. Now, when I was working at the aquarium, this is up in uh, Niagara Falls, New York, this is one of my favorite activities. On Sunday when none of the managers were there, you know, I would have to thaw <laughs> like 35-pound slabs of fish oh, to, to, feed. to feed the other fish. Yeah. But when you do that, you end up with all, all these like ice chunks that have like blood and gut, and you'd have to gut all the fish before you fed them to the other fish. Oh, my God. And that's your favorite activity? Oh, my God. Well, it was my favorite activity because what I would do is I would <laughs> go to the recycling bin, grab all of the one-gallon jugs, and then instead of putting it down the drain. Uh, the drain and, you know, chopping up like the guts and the ice and stuff, I would put it in my jugs and then I would fill my car with like five, ten gallons worth of this like fish emulsion <laughs> that I got awesome. for free. Yeah. And then I would pour it on my, I didn't have a, I didn't really do uh, vegetables, but it was ornamental. And my garden was so beautiful. Uh, that's, it was floriferous. That's it one flowered of the, all the time. That's one of the floriferous. I love it. I, uh, I use primarily uh, fish emulsion uh, in my garden. And it's, I get the big giant, I order a special giant container of it. And then I dilute it into, you know, like a three quarters of a cup or whatever into a really big watering can. And then I go and water stuff and everything responds beautifully. You're right, man. Now, I once heard that uh, Native Americans, now, of course, there's lots of oh, different yeah. tribes and we're not too sure. Well, I, right as of now, I don't know which tribe. Well, but, this uh, would be something that would next to a water, body yeah, of water. They right? would uh, put like their decaying, you know, fish heads and right. tails. And then they would do like the three st- sister crops on top of that. Which is? For extra um, nutrients. And of course, the three sister crops are, Annie, squash, corn, and beans. That is correct. Because <laughs> the corn gets planted, the uh, beans grow up the corn, corn stalk, and the squash stays on the ground as a mulch, uh, a natural mulch. This is unrelated, and we did not get this uh, And email. nitrogen from the beans, too. But my friend wants to know, when can you plant uh, seminal pumpkins? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> she, she looked up. She she was in her mind. She was thinking a, of August. Yeah, but I, I think ju- that's probably a good but idea. But I just uh, seeded some stuff last week. My other friend, Demi, uh, she says that you can basically like seed. I think I mentioned this. You can see basically anything on Christmas Day and July 4th. Oh. That's like what all the big nurseries do. Oh. Because if you're seeding your squash and your peppers and your tomatoes on July 4th, in eight weeks from now, it's going to be September, and they're going to really like 
that uh, temperature drop. You yeah. Know, the thing is, is that it's like you have to really pay attention to them. If you're going to be doing stuff at this time of the year. This is like seeding in a tray, not really like yeah, in the ground no. where it's in, raining all yeah, the time. Yeah, you got to be really careful and, and making sure that they're getting the correct amount of water and, you know, they get out of those little seeding trays soon enough because you don't want them to get all bound up again. Root bound in a seeding tray is still bad news. I, I just, now I have another commercial. 27 hours ago on CBS This Morning, they had a segment about human composting. Oh, yeah. And I watched it. Only five states in the U.S. allow it. I would imagine so. And the amazing thing is that it only takes... um, is it 30? Two? No, it only takes 30 to 40 days. Mm, I don't to know about that. Com- well, that's what the report, Annie. These All are right. experts, Scientists. Annie. Scientists. <laughs> that's right. I guess so, I need to listen. <laughs> you got to watch the segment. So the, and, um, the New York Catholic. 30 days. Yeah, 30 to 40. You know, they put them in a chamber that's with wild. some. Uh, Microorganisms exactly. to break it down. Okay. But what's. The most amazing thing is that uh, the New York Catholic Society said that nobody should be doing human composting and it's unnatural and not right and that we should be embalming people and putting them in um, oh, that's natural. In, in these liners. <laughs> and then the, the mortician kind of responded, well, we only just started embalming people kind of a like um, when Abraham Lincoln died, that's when it became popular. Like the only reason we embalmed people is because of like the Civil War so we could take bodies around and show off that the bodies. Died, yeah. And, um, you know, it was like a heartfelt, uh, you know, five-minute clip on CBS about human composting because this person's brother died and he loved maple uh, trees. And then you compost the person in 34 days. And then she has like this beautiful dirt and mulch. And then she's like sprinkling around her garden. And whenever mm-hmm. she looks at the maple trees, she is reminded of her brother. And obviously that's natural, like, we can bury a cat or a dog or a cow in the backyard, but most of the states say, oh, you can't bury. So you're talking human. about human, whole humans. I was thinking you were talking about humanure. No, no, no. Hum- yeah. Uh, oh, that's what I thought you were talking about, humanure. Because uh, human human manure yes. is compostable, but it takes, I think, at least two, two years. years. Right. Oh, jinx. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so then. Yeah, so the segment's about bodies. And what is it on? What do you mean? The, the C- show. C- CBS This Morning. Oh, okay. Okay. And it was on yesterday. Oh, very good. You the, can go back and look those up. I think they uh, knew that we were going to talk about soil today. <laughs> you, that, you conferred with them, right? Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. The next uh, question we got from social media is from Jane. There are a lot of different bag soils, just like we talked about exactly. um, that black cow yeah. out there. How do I choose which one to buy? What's in those bags? Anyhow. Well, basically what I respond to that is, is that, you know, I read all the ingredients and all the food that I eat. I do not just pick up a bottle and stick it in my cart, you know, my my cart to take home without knowing what's in it, because I don't want to eat a lot of the things that people put in or corporations put in food. So I would just say, read what's on the label of the bag. And then if you don't know what those things are, <laughs> look them up on your phone. I mean, everybody oh. just about has a little phone yes. that they can look a up on. computer in the pocket. Yeah. But also if you can't pronounce or read those items, you might not want to be adding them to Something that you're gonna. Well, eat. that's the way yeah, I feel. If I, if even if I do know, and I, because I do know a lot of those, but uh, even if I 
I don't know. I just don't want anything that's not going to be just like three or four things in a package. That's all I, you know, I want it to be the minimal yeah. amount of uh, intrusion. So when I was doing research, I learned that there are no legal definitions for the various types of bag soil. Oh. So you can buy a a bag that says potting soil, you can buy a bag that says garden soil, topsoil, sea starting mix, and that actually means nothing. So like Annie was saying, you're going to have to read what is in those uh, bags for potting soil that usually does not contain dirt, as in like all dead stuff. It's good for container gardening, and it usually has a mix of peat moss, pine bark, and some other organic materials. And people like potting soil because it drains uh, well. And then because if you have something in a pot, you're, you don't want it to, most of the time, you don't want it to be waterlogged. And then for garden soil, that contains more dirt. It retains water and is used for in-ground planting. So right, you, don't use, soil. you don't use garden yeah. soil in a pot because right. that's for out in the wilderness of your backyard. It's too dense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it won't drain well. It's really too dense. And then topsoil is technically the upper 10 or 12 inches of soil. So people are harvesting this. And because there's no legal definition for bag topsoil, what's inside that bag can uh, vary greatly. And bag topsoil can be clay or sand or loam or other types of soil. So topsoil... Mm -hmm. You definitely don't want to put in a pot. That's really dense. That's a vague uh, vague uh, interpretation. So if it says that on a bag, you don't really know. And I personally don't buy any of those things, but I right. have been known to buy seed starting mix because yeah, a lot to. of times you need a sterile environment. You do. You have better results if you have a sterile yeah. environment. Yeah. Uh, for spe especially with some of the things that you start, you know <laughs> what I mean? There's real specific uh, yeah. carnivorous plants. They really do need that sort of thing. But I do, I mean, there's a, you can make soil blocks uh, to start your plants in. And that is a lot of different things. But there's, you can look that up online because I'm not going to go into uh, how to make those. But it really does help because then you don't, they just go straight into the soil. There's no stopping them. And a seed starter mix usually contains uh, zero dirt and has a very fine texture. And these mixes usually contain peat moss, perlite, or vermiculite, and coconut core and fiber. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, let's see, do we have any more questions? Yes, we do. Okay. We have a question from Mona. Oh, very good. Mona Postenoff. And she says, how do you get rid of unwanted weeds. I dig them out, roots and all, and they still come back. Well, I uh, can sympathize with you. Everybody has that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the digging fork is the tool uh, to use. Like, and, a, like a fork that you're going to eat no, it's a giant fork. Oh, a giant fork. Yeah, it's a giant fork. It's called a digging fork. And you could look online and look, see what that is. It, it's, it's flat tines and they're wide. And so a tine is the little pokey thing like in a pitchfork. And so these, but these are flat and they're wider and, and it's not real big. It's probably about, I don't know, six, seven inches across and about six or seven, well, about eight inches deep. And you just push that in the ground and turn it. And that's going to loosen up uh, the soil that's impacted around those weeds and so then then go all the way if you pull a weed and it and it doesn't come out easily stop and then loosen that up until it comes out easily because <laughs> if you don't if you don't get that like if it's a nut sedge, if you don't get that little nut out of the middle, uh, uh, the bottom, it's going to, you've just replanted it. And then also then look, go through, put in your hands in there and go through and, and uh, find that particular rhizome and track it to the next one. 
and then pull that track it to the next one and pull that so you need to track it and then the other thing is is try to cut them off uh before they seed if they start to flower if they start to seed then they've already sought their seed and you just replanted some seeds so there's that anything from you kenny on that yeah or uh ounce of prevention found a cure you know that. Yeah. Come on, I Bill. Heard it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have a, another message from an anonymous, and they're from Newport Ritchie. And they said, What about using wood mulch to plant? Oh, him? that's interesting. That's, that's, that's so interesting that you, it's one of the things I wrote down, uh, because, <laughs> you know, uh, Jim Kovalowski, that's all he uses is the compost is, uh, composted mm. wood mulch, uh, in Newport Ritchie. And, uh, it's, but he makes soil blocks for his plants before he puts them in it. So you got to have some soil to go on to start it, to get it going before you can put it in. Now, you could you can use that, but you really got to add some stuff to the plant while you're doing it. So it, it has to be composted. The top, the regular wood mulch is just too, it's not breaking down enough. I put it on a, an area, like I have an area in the driveway, and I put a ton of, yeah. of wood mulch on there mm-hmm. and then clean it off later and use that after it's broken down the next year and then replace it. I was going to say that uh, my neighbor, and I learned this from my neighbor, we have probably 15, 20 loads of chipped Oh, that's so nice. Uh, you know, tree mulch over the past 10 years. And you're exactly right. The chickens, our cars, just kind of breaking down, compressing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she'll pick uh, bagged leaves or she'll put like the mulch in like a garbage can for, you know, four months, six months. And then when you tip it out, half of it's beautiful, rich compost with worms in, with it. Worms yes. in it. And then you can just plant directly a whole bunch of stuff I throw that I have big buckets of leaves and I use that in my compost is my browns but then when it gets down to the bottom yeah I just throw that straight mm-hmm. in the garden that stuff is gold so you're listening to the sustainable living show on WMNF and Ray and today we're talking about soil and we just have about five minutes left but we have a caller we have a Denny on line one hey, Denny. you have a question or a comment on soil uh well yeah, kind of sort of here. So my, my question is about uh, human compost. Oh. <laughs> and as far as, um, you know, end of life goes. Right. Um, instead of cremation or any typical burial type uh, processes, using uh, your body as compost. Mm-hmm. I saw something the other night on TV about that. And I was just wondering, you know. I know Florida doesn't have that available yet, but you guys have any thoughts, comments about that? And I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we were just talking about maybe doing that as a show, and, I, and, and maybe and, we should. And I'm all for it. But I will say, listeners, we want to know what you want to talk about. Yeah. Because guess what? We did the show two years ago, and you did not like it. But that's maybe, right. But that's maybe exactly you've come right. around. <laughs> yeah, and that's the way I'm going to be buried is they're just going to You know what, Annie, that's how, I, that's how I want to do it, too. It, it's because it's like, that's, that's mm. the natural part. I that don't is. have, you got chemicals going no. into your dead body, and you don't need your body anymore. You're dead. And then... And uh, then the burning is a lot of energy. Yeah, it's terrible the for the... Is, yeah, it's terrible for the environment. Is, yeah. They, on the uh, CBS morning show yesterday, they said that... Uh, about like 58% of people get cremated and then the rest get buried. Yeah, because people think that's a better way to go. But honestly, after you start to investigate, it's really not. And like Denny was saying, um, it's not available in Florida. The states are Oregon, Washington, California, and then maybe like Vermont and like New Hampshire. So we need to get it in Virginia. 
<laughs> where I'm going to be. So, uh, well, we I should get, probably get it nationwide. Well, it's probably across the board, just like medical, and, uh, you know, but that's not going to happen. So, uh, here, let's uh, let me end with this. So, let's say you want um, some peat free. Oh, good. You're going to say something about it. Yeah. So, you want some peat free potting mix options. And uh, peat is what happens when sphagnum moss decomposes over literally thousands or tens of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. So, it's not sustainable. And we can talk about that in another uh, show. But I wanted to let you know that you can make seed and potting mixes at home. You can do a DIY. So for vegetable and ornamental seed starting mix, if you want to go peat free, because when you're buying these uh, prepackaged bags at the big box stores, they do contain peat. A lot of it, yeah. And it's not great for wild plants, habitats, lots of things. So you could do one part coconut core, which is available everywhere, one part perlite, or and then a half to one part uh, vermiculite. For a potting mix, you can do six parts coconut core and compost, and this isn't a this is a general recipe. Right, feed. you can Th feel you it out. You don't need to be scientific. Right, you could do one part coconut, five parts compost. You're gonna mix it around. So six parts coconut core and compost, one part perlite and one part vermiculite, and all of these recipes are from different uh, extension offices from around the country. And then if you just want to amend your freestanding garden bed. You can do one part coconut core and three parts compost and native soil. So those are some uh, ideas to inspire you to do a pea-free garden. We hope you enjoyed our soil show. I and, did. And I, I did as well. <laughs> and uh, if you want to do another caller or email-based uh, show, you can send us a message yeah. on our Facebook page, Sustainable Living. And that's where a lot of these uh, questions came from our social media Yeah, that media was a page. great idea. That's not something we've always done, but I, it really worked well this time. And um, I also want to remind everyone that this Saturday is the USF Botanical Garden Summer Plant Festival. If you're a member, you can get in at 9.30 and then general admission starts at 10. And it's only one day. Usually it's two days, but this year they changed it to just Saturday from uh, 10 to 3. And there's probably like, maybe 40 or even more vendors. The list is a lot larger it's than big. what I thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, it's, it's pretty big. So uh, we and think... And it's beautiful there. You guys, just to go see it is beautiful. Exactly. So we thank uh, Craig for calling in. And of course, we thank Mr. Bill Grace for not only working the boards, but he's super volunteer of the day. He also answered the calls. And he does our recordings too. Oh, it's so <laughs> great. I love them. They're so fun. Yes. And uh, anything else, Annie, before we close out? Wait, um, Annie, do you know who's on next week? Yes, and I'm excited about it. You're not going to be here next week either, are you? You're I will be, be teaching teachers in the Grand Canyon. That's awesome. You get to go to all the cool places. We're going to have um, Eloisia uh, Lewis on, and we're going to be talking about climate change. So y'all uh, call in and let us know what you want to know about it when she's on. Yeah. If you enjoy this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org. Donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Annie really needs us. To, Annie, you do too, buddy. <laughs> to reach it, our goal. We have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. In the next hour, you will hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mabili. Make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We will be, t Annie will be talking about climate change yep. with activist Eloisa Lewis, who is on a past show 
And she was so popular, we had to invite her back. She's great. And remember, um, if you are looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Bye. Oh, you want to announce? And, of course, this is WMNF Tampa. <laughs> <laughs>